You're listening to Power Plays, the podcast hosting conversations between policymakers, engineers, business leaders, and others who are influencing the internet's infrastructure and institutions in ways that impact all of us today. Here's your host, Aiden Fertiline. Welcome to Power Plays, presented by Grant for the Web. I'm Aidan Ferdelin. Today on the show, we have the Executive Director of the Interledger Foundation, Brianna Marbury. I'm really excited for this conversation because the Interledger Protocol and the Interledger Foundation are building access to financial pathways around the world to potentially serve billions of people. I also want to be quite transparent about something. The Interledger Foundation is now the institutional home for Grant for the Web, and PowerPlays is a recipient of funding from Grant for the Web. But when we received this grant, Grant for the Web was administered and funded by Coil Technologies, and neither Coil nor Interledger asked for this interview. I did, and I maintained full editorial control over this product. Welcome to PowerPlays, Brianna. One question I always ask guests on the show is an icebreaker, and that is, what is a contrarian thought that you have about business or culture that others might disagree with you on? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's one that might get me in a little bit of trouble, but um, I really feel that there should be more of a sharing of profits from companies. Like, do more profit distribution rather than hoarding it all and, you know, making more money for shareholders. Give it to nonprofits, give it to struggling individuals, countries. And I know in business, you're supposed to want to make more money, more money, more money for the shareholders, but I don't necessarily agree with that. Oh, I agree. Share the wealth. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start with the basics. You are the executive director of the Interledger Foundation. Yes. What is Interledger and what is the mission of the Interledger Foundation? Okay, so let's start off. There's the Interledger Protocol and then there's the Interledger Foundation. So how about I start off with the Interledger Protocol, which is the actual technology. I mean, the Interledger Foundation serves as advocates of the technology. Uh, The best and most relatable way I've used to describe the protocol is that it's an open source payment network for moving money from one place to another, similar how the internet moves data from one place to another. Um, And one way the technology is useful is for what we call open payments. And to give you an example of what I mean by that, say we go to dinner and you pay the bill with cash and I want to split it with you, but I don't have any cash, so I have to use one of my apps to pay it. Here in the U.S., say you have Venmo, I have Cash App, and we cannot transact with each other unless one of us gets the other's app. But if those apps were built on the Interledger protocol, we wouldn't need to download the other's app, and we could be able to exchange money that way, and it wouldn't even have to be in the same currency. Another really cool feature of the protocol is its ability to send fractions of a cent or micropayments in a continuous manner 
which can stream payments from one account or ledger to another. The way this feature of the protocol is being used at the moment is for web monetization, which is an alternative for making money for creators. Here at the Interledger Foundation, we are advocates and stewards of the Interledger protocol technology. That means that we hold things like the the trademarks and patents, but we also are here to get the word out about the technology and how it can be useful for for everyday use. Just out of curiosity, is the foundation a private operating foundation or a 501c3 or another structure altogether? Mm -hmm. We are a 501c3 public charity. So we're kind of a hybrid of sorts. We give out grants and sponsorships to organizations and individuals that are helping to spread the word about web monetization and the interledger protocol. And we also support developers, creators, whoever's helping to increase the ecosystem. And we also have a membership structure. So we're kind of a hybrid, but we are definitely a 501c3 public charity. That's a high threshold to meet. So it's a legit public charity. The foundation is new, but the protocol itself has been around for a while, right? I'm curious as to who invented the protocol or how did it come to be? Yeah, so Interledger has two co-creators, that is Stefan Thomas and Evan Schwartz, and they came up with the idea of the Interledger protocol while working at Ripple. And what happened is that Stefan noticed that it was really hard to get people paid that were in other countries and it was it took a long time and there were a lot of fees involved. And so they really wanted to make Um, getting paid over the internet as easy as it is to send data. And so that's what they they set out to do. And because of that, the Interledger protocol is built very closely along the same lines as the internet is built. So it has five layers and that's how it got started. I presume the idea behind the foundation is to promote the Interledger protocol and not necessarily other standards or protocols, but correct me if I am wrong. It really is about the Interledger protocol and its ability to transfer uh, money regardless of what form that comes in. So whether that is blockchain, whether that is fiat currency, meaning like USD or Thai bot, um, any type of monetary asset that can be transferred, it, it is about transferring. Sure. And I I think that's one of the really interesting things about the protocol and the foundation's mission. I mean, this idea of advancing financial inclusion. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what is wrong with existing payment networks? Why don't they work for everyone? And I'm particularly interested in the work that the foundation is doing to support unbanked populations. Yeah. So right now, about one third of the world or 1.7 billion people are underserved or unbanked. So meaning they don't have access to digital financial services and it's very difficult for them to um, transact digitally and be involved in their digital economy. 
Um, right now, there have been a lot of companies that have started to see these gaps and pop up and address the issues. Um, but say, for instance, we do have a, a, a network in a uh, say, for instance, we do have a network in a certain country and you join that network, you are only able to transact with people in that network kind of similar to the example that I gave earlier. If you want to transact with someone outside of that network, it's, it's just impossible. And so the networks are really siloed and they also charge um, large fees depending on where you are. Um, another thing is that a lot of these uh, companies, they have very um, strict strict rules and regulations around KYC known as know your customer. And for that, you have to provide, you know, pictures in order to engage in their platform. You have to have, you know, picture ID, passports, and a lot of information that if you are in um, a poor country, you, you might not have a, a picture ID. So we're trying to make it more accessible for people who, although they may not have like, um, access to a bank, but all of these people, 80% have mobile phones. So how can we use the technology that they already have, that they're already familiar with, to be able to include them in their digital economy? And so by using the, the interledger protocol to be able to um, connect people with rather it's... It, whether it's with individual or individual, or it's an individual with a bank, that is what we, we set out to do. We really just want people to have connections where they can just transact with each other. Um, say, for instance, in, in Gambia, right? They, they don't have access to be able to pay their water bills um, digitally. So they have to go and take hours out of their day maybe go to the bank or, or use the money that they have and go pay it physically, which might take them up to a half a day. And that's like time out of your day. That might be time out of uh, that you spend from taking time from your job. So we just want to be able to make everyone's lives easier. Sure. I definitely see the use case there. So say I want to send or receive fiat currency using Interledger. How does that work? The foundation itself is not a financial institution, so I presume I need a digital wallet issued by a financial institution. Yeah. Right now, to get onto the network, you would need to have an account with a digital wallet. Right now, the wallets that are interledger enabled are GitHub and Uphold. And soon we hope to have more wallets that are interledger enabled. And that kind of leads me into... Um, the Rafiki project that Coil is doing, that would be an all-in-one plugin for digital wallets to run the Interledger um, protocol. But you get an, an account with the digital wallet and you are able to either accept or send out money um, through that wallet. And that wallet is able to take any type of currency, like you said, fiat currency in, in any form and cryptocurrencies as well. 
I lived in Argentina for a period of time, and I know many creatives there. The local currency in Argentina is not stable, and many Argentines prefer to keep their savings in U.S. dollars. But some payment providers that online content creators in Argentina use are forced to convert their earnings into pesos, which is undesirable. And these can also attract astronomical transaction fees of around 25% of their earnings. Something I like about the Interledger protocol is that with the protocol and the digital wallets that you connect to it, you can choose the currency that you earn funds in. Yes, yes. And and that is really the idea of um, the Interledger protocol because uh, Stefan tells a story of um, one time trying to pay a merchant, um, and I, I forgive me, I don't remember the country, but by the time they received the payment, it was an Airbnb host. By the time they received the payment, um, it was weeks later, and they had so many fees taken out of it, they only received a fraction of what they charged for um, hosting. So with the Interledger protocol, you get almost immediate settlement with low fees. That's really exciting. I'm curious about the the Interledger protocol and also the web monetization proposed standard that the foundation is working on. Is this a bottom-up process? Can anyone contribute towards it? Absolutely. It is an open source project, meaning that the code is open for all and anyone can work on it. Um, With the Grant for the Web program, we have grantees that are working in a web monetization space in our community forum. But also in that community forum are just people who are interested in web monetization and have questions and want to be involved. And so anyone at all can participate as long as they're interested. And we're working, a couple of grantees are working on this, and we're also hiring a tech lead who will be joining us in a couple of weeks to have a library of resources to make it easier to access any questions you may have, you can go to this repository and be able to and, and use it as a resource. From what I understand, there are already over 400 developers that are building on top of the Interledger protocol in different ways. I'm curious, are there any developers whose work you find particularly noteworthy or inspiring? Right. So uh, honestly, when I hear about a lot of the work that the developers and even creators are working on, it's just so inspiring. And I'm really excited to see the projects that they come up with. So it's really hard to choose a couple, but one that really stood out for me was Erase All Kittens. What it is, is a web monetized game online that teaches children how to code. And is especially targeted towards girls ages 8 to 14. And if you know, like the tech space, it tends to be uh, male centric. And only about 20% of developers and coders are women. So I think getting girls involved 
at an early age will help to increase the ecosystem, which is one thing that the Interledger Foundation is about, is trying to make this space more diverse. Another one, I was just on a community call with a grant for the web grantees and Enclave Games for game development is another one that that stands out to me because a lot of people right now, how they get paid are, you know, through ads and, and, and paywalls, but a lot of people are implementing ad blockers. So that disrupts their revenue streams. So if they implement web monetization and they get paid for, you know, the seconds that people are on their games, their website, then that just introduces another model for them to be able to monetize their work. Can we talk about that web monetization challenge for a moment? What I think you're referring to is Coil, which I think of as like Netflix for websites. So you pay a monthly subscription fee for a browser extension, you visit websites like Normal, and at the end of the month, Coil remunerates all of the creators whose content you viewed proportional to the amount of time you spend consuming that content. It's a different model to say Patreon or Substack where there's more friction and you have to go out of your way to intentionally support a creator. Yeah, so you have, like you said, Substack, um, Patreon, ways for creators to start getting more of a subscription base. And what Coil does, it's a little different because it operates on the web monetization platform. So the way it works is you pay a fee of like $5 a month. And as a creator, you can sign up for Coil for free. And me as a subscriber to Coil, if I come to your website, um, every second that I spend on your website, you get streamed a micropayment. And I think that's a great alternative or addition to sites like Patreon, because if I subscribe to your site and on Patreon and I subscribe to another person's site and another, those subscriptions start to add up. And before I know it, I'm paying $50 a month and I have to decide like, who am I going to, this is too much for my budget. Who am I going to remove? But with Coil and web monetization, you don't have to do that. So Every second that I spend on your website, you get a you know micropayment stream to your account. So I, I think it's a great alternative, or like I said, in addition to the revenue models that you have right now. And the other great thing about Coil is that it doesn't collect your information. So it really respects users' privacy. If you go to whatever, a site that has ads enabled, they're collecting your data, right? And so if you go to another platform, you have to look at these ads that pop up that you might have um, searched for. And so you don't, you don't have to worry about that with when using Coil. Regarding the web monetization standard, are there any restrictions on what content can be web monetized? No, there are not restrictions on content that can be web monetized. There are not restrictions, but of course you have to observe standards. Like you can't 
do a lot of hate speech and things like that. But other than that, you can really speak about whatever you want to, which is not the case with some of the other platforms that determine whether your work is web monetized, um, depending on if they feel their viewers or their um, their sponsors will like the subjects that you talk about. So say, for instance, you talk about COVID and this particular sponsor says, if you talk about COVID, we're not going to um, pay you because our listeners don't want to see that. So you might get a million views on a video that you produced about COVID, but you won't get paid for your work. And with COIL, that, that doesn't exist. That's great. I know that there are a lot of creatives on YouTube that find their content is demonetized rather arbitrarily because perhaps they produce the content in a language that YouTube does not offer advertisements for, or perhaps they have used a word that YouTube's algorithm has arbitrarily decided could cause brand damage if an ad appeared alongside it. And these can be common dictionary words like Taiwan or Palestine. Are there any restrictions, though, on who or how Interledger can route packets of money. I'm thinking maybe this is something that the digital wallets take care of, ensuring compliance with sanctions and anti-money laundering legislation. Yes, that is correct. That's at the wallet level. So the Interledger is just um, one person saying, two people agreeing that they want to pay. Um, one person wants to pay the other, and it is the infrastructure of how the payment gets from one place to another. As far as the requirements, um, like I spoke earlier about the KYC, know your customer, anti-terrorism, that is up to the wallets to um, take care of because the wallets are the ones that have to um, get the license, the, mon the, um, the monetary licenses um, with their various countries. So yeah, that is at the wallet level. We should note that the foundation is very new. You've been around a year. It's a startup, but what will you be working on developing over the coming year? Yeah, so we really want to continue to build the ecosystem. We will continue to give grants for innovation, people who build on the infrastructure. We will build out other programs around financial inclusion and how do we get people involved in their digital economy. It's really just about continuing to build the ecosystem around open payments, around web monetization, and just expanding that ecosystem. And how are decisions made by the foundation? I'm curious about the governance structure. Who watches over your programmatic activities? Do you work in the open and have public consultation processes to invite feedback on how to improve and build out your programs? Yeah, so we have a board for the foundation that's made up of experts in the payments world. And the Grant for the Web program, which was originally under COIL, has moved under the foundation since its founding. And the Grant for the Web program has their own executive council that makes decisions about how the program is going to go and steers the strategy of the program. At the foundation level, we're looking at building out an advisory council 
And that includes people from not only the payment sector, but people who have expertise in marketing, people who have expertise in financial inclusion. And we also have a technical steering committee that looks at some of the priorities of the protocol and how we can improve them and what we should be working on. Rafiki, you mentioned this at the very beginning of our conversation, and I should have followed up then, but I didn't. I apologize. But Rafiki, what is it? So right now, to get on the Interledger protocol for companies that really, I really want to get involved in this. How do I do it? How do I get on? There's really only uh, two ways to get involved. It's either have someone host you like Coil or through GitHub or Uphold. So what Rafiki is going to do, oh, and I will say in addition to that, it is expensive, right? And you have to, it takes a lot of engineering resources to be able to get onto the protocol and to maintain it. So what Rafiki is going to do is make it an all-in-one plugin and it's it's easier, like kind of like a plug and play, right? So it's going to make it easier for organizations to be on the protocol, stay on the protocol and be able to interact with the network. And that is a project right now that COIL is developing. But I will say that it is open source and anyone can make comments, test it out. They're, I'm sure they'll have a test net pretty soon. Once it's up and running, there'll be a bug bounty so we can go in, uh, we encourage developers to go in and say, okay, what, what do you find here so we can fix it? I'm really, really excited about it because that will give us a, a huge chance to be able to expand the network. Absolutely. That is really exciting. So if someone wants to contribute to Rafiki or perhaps that really interested in contributing to the Interledger protocol itself, because it's not tied to any one company blockchain, currency, anything like that, how can they get started? How can they become involved in in helping contribute to it? Yeah. So if you go to our uh, website, interledger.org, there is a tab for developers, and that will give you all the information that you need to get started. There's also a repository on GitHub for Interledger and for Rafiki. So for Rafiki on GitHub, it is github.com slash coil HQ slash Rafiki. And for the Interledger, it's github.com slash Interledger. Great. Well, this has been fascinating. Brianna, thank you very much. Thank you. This has been Power Plays. Power Plays is a production of Etunu. The guests on this program speak only for themselves, and the views expressed do not necessarily align with those of Etenu. Copyright 2021, Etenu Corporation. All rights reserved.